0: Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. I am your host, as always, Eric Spiropoulos, and you can follow me on Twitter at Eric NBA. Slightly changed my Twitter handle. Of course, you can check out the 94 Feet Report website at 94feetreport.com or follow the website and, of course, this podcast on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report. We've been launched since July 1st. Obviously, this is our first episode of the podcast in quite a while as we kind of get into the, the dog days of the NBA summer in terms of August. But we are now back. We are going to be previewing divisions for the 2017-2018 NBA season. And uh, we've got two episodes coming out with Tambell and Richardson, obviously a longtime guest on the show, editor at Thunderous Intentions, writer at Raptors Republic, and lead editor at 16 Windsor Ring. Um, we actually were planning to do two divisions in one episode, but once we covered one division that went over an hour, we knew we had to kind of split it up. So this episode will be a preview of the atlantic division obviously a bunch of teams made a bunch of significant moves like the celtics um the raptors you know made some interesting moves the 76ers obviously are are jumping up or in hope to jump up in the east but so this will preview the atlantic division going through each team's in terms of their offseason moves and answering some questions that we have about each team then in the second episode which will be released separately we'll do the same preview for the northwest division and then eventually we're going to do um, I will do previews of every division with uh, with other guests in the coming days and weeks so stay tuned for a discussion about the Atlantic Division for the 2017-2018 NBA season with Tamberlin Richardson Alright, we are now joined by Tamberlin Richardson. We've got an editor at Thunderous Intentions, a writer at Raptors Republic, um, also an editor at 16 a Ring. Tamberlin, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you, Eric? Uh,
0: doing pretty well. Can't complain. Summer is coming to an end, so it is kind of a sad moment, but that also means we're getting closer and closer to the start of the NBA season, of course.
1: Fair enough. It's been a crazy off season. I keep teasing everyone that I deal with, all the peers that I think the off season was more exciting than the playoffs.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's not even done really. We we could see we could have two more major trades before you know training camps open up with Carmelo and Kyrie. But oh, and with the
1: two way contracts too, things are going to be super interesting, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really. I mean, there was a period this summer from late June until mid-july where you could just not rest at all like there was no rest at all i mean there was constant signings trades everything yeah it all
1: started on draft night
0: yeah it even actually started before draft night if you had those uh the dwight howard trade and Uh yeah so um so in today's episode we're going to go through the atlantic division and the northwest division go through each team talk about their key losses key additions and then you know Talk about some questions about each team because obviously every team has questions surrounding their upcoming season. So we'll try and do our best to to kind of dive into a bunch of topics. Let's start in the Atlantic and we'll start with the Boston Celtics, a team with a very eventful offseason. So in Mm -hmm. terms of key losses, I really have Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and Amir Johnson as their key losses. Um, I really think that Avery Bradley is going to be missed a lot. Um, his defense is superb Um, he can match up really great with opposing point guards and shooting guards and some small forwards though he is he gets pretty undersized when he turns to guarding forwards Um, but his defense his presence he's developed into a pretty good three-point shooter is extremely valuable and that kind of leaves him at a unique hole um, at shooting guard which we'll talk about later when we get to the questions about the team Um, you know Kelly Olenek he you know, he's not the flashiest player or the most the sexiest signing of the offseason when he went to the Miami Heat, but he does But he bring, sure is clutch. Yeah, he I mean we cannot forget his game seven. I think he scored twenty six points in like fourteen in the fourth quarter alone and basically single handedly won that game seven. Um, so, I mean,
1: doesn't it just feel wrong that a guy named Kelly, and yes I know he's Canadian, but a guy named Kelly isn't with the Celtics anymore? <laughs> just feels fundamentally wrong to me.
0: Yeah, no, it really, it was kind of sad to see him go, but you know, he gets a bigger contract and probably a better opportunity in Miami. Um,
1: Mm-hmm. but he did and Amir bring, Johnson.
0: Yeah, and so Olenek brought scoring versatility and some good shooting for a big man off the bench. Amir mm-hmm. Johnson, I mean, Amir Johnson started 77 games for them last year. You know, I know he only played, I think he only played like 20 minutes per game, but that's still a pretty big presence and he's also a good veteran presence in the and locker He probably room.
1: fell 3 times a game. I love Amir Johnson. Yeah. And I'll tell you this right now, Eric. I will say that each of the players, the key players that you outlined that they lost, will leave Jonas Jurebko out of this. Mm-hmm. Each of those players, Olenek, Bradley, and Johnson, every team, every one of them went to a team that they immediately help and yeah. fill a specific role and make that team better. When you lose players. And it automatically improves another team. That speaks to the depth that was on the Celtics. They may not have had a ton of stars to back up Isaiah Thomas. But Kelly Olynyk is like the perfect guy to put beside Hassan Whiteside. Avery Bradley will not only bring the defensive prowess that... that Uh, Stan Van Gundy has been looking for in Detroit but he's a great locker room guy if he can stay healthy he's great he'll be good on the on the perimeter for shooting threes he's just an overall quality guy and Amir Johnson I can tell you from all the years that I've covered the Raptors when he left DeMar Rosen said in the nine seasons or whatever that they played together, he only ever saw Amir get angry once. <laughs> and every single player on the Raptors said that they really – Felt The loss of Amir Johnson. He was that big of a factor in the locker room. I honestly believe yes he's done some things to add some versatility and some depth at Boston and taught them well. He'll do great in Philadelphia. He'll be one of the best leaders they could have added to the team far better than JJ Redick in my opinion. But I think the Celtics are really going to feel the loss of these three guys.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with the Celtics off season. Obviously, they have the flashy signing, which we'll get to, in Gordon Hayward, and they obviously made some other moves. But this, a lot of people, I don't think are. I think they're, they're underrating on
1: these losses.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, they're underrating how important these losses could be in terms of, of, of over the course of the entire season and the playoffs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, people already point to the Celtics being better than last year, and I think that they might be marginally better. Um, but but yeah, they're not, they're not going to. I don't think they're making that, that people, uh, you know, obviously when someone, when a team signs an st- all-star, they all obviously acquaint them to make a big jump. But with these losses, in, in terms of the specific pieces that they lost uh, and how good they fit in with their team, I don't see them making a huge jump um, because they lost a couple of key important guys that were valued in the locker room, which obviously goes a long way. And filled specific
1: roles. I mean, I'll wait till you get to your questions to throw out some numbers at you, but I mean, I think. You know, you're going to get into the additions, and I think Tatum is a a huge find, but I I honestly think that these three guys, like you say, it's a matter of the analysts are jumping all over saying, oh, Boston's going to win the division again. Well, can I remind you that... Kyle Lowry didn't play the last 21 games of the season for the Raptors. They were without Patrick Patterson for 16 games. They were without DeRozan for 12 games. And they started a, a rookie at the four, and a Demari Carroll, who should have been put out to pasture two seasons ago. My big joke about DeMari Carroll is the best production he had in Toronto was his Aces commercials um, because he was really good on them. I mean, they gave away two draft picks to get rid of him. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he never was what he was supposed to be. He shot 20% on wide open looks in the playoffs against the Cavaliers. Like <sighs> sorry. And he was supposed to be a defender that couldn't stop um any anyone. He couldn't stop the the rookies on on Milwaukee. Like Good riddance. Thank you very much. I'm just saying like, and Cleveland also kind of shut it down in the latter half of the season because they were tired and wanted to get ready for the playoffs. So the fact that the Celtics won the division was more a factor of other teams factors than it was what they did to win it, in my humble opinion yeah so I'm not sold on these guys winning the division granted we've got whatever's going to happen over in Cleveland and it's a mess over there right now because they don't know if LeBron's coming back they don't know that LeBron wants them to go out and get some quality players he wants Przingis he wants Jamal Murray he wants Josh Jackson he wants all these guys but he won't sign unless they do that but The Cavaliers don't want to trade Kyrie for that unless they know they're getting youngsters back or unless they know LeBron's going to stay. So they're in a catch-22 right now, which means that they may not win the division and they may end up finishing the season without Kyrie and with LeBron saying, I'm gone at the end of the season anyway. So, I mean, Boston could win the division again, but let's not get carried away here and think that they're that much better than all the other Eastern teams.
0: Exactly. And even last year, I don't remember exactly what the stat was, but I think they won 51 games last year, but they had the point differential I think of a 48 win team. Um so, you know, they might have they got a couple of breaks here and there and stuff like that. So they didn't make mm-hmm. a I don't think they made a huge jump. They probably got marginally better. And I mean,
1: helping them out this year is they have the 29th easiest schedule, so that's not going to hurt them. Cavaliers have the 30th easiest. Toronto has the 28th easiest. But they said that last year about Toronto. And then the latter part of the season, every team they faced for like, they faced Indiana three games out of four uh, at the end of the season. Like, they didn't meet them until March. <laughs> Miami was on their roll by the time they faced Miami. So it's all perspective, right?
0: Yeah. I don't really buy into analyzing the schedule at this point you gotta wait and see and obviously over the course of 82 games so many injuries and resting and fluke mm-hmm. things can happen so um mm-hmm. but the celtics let's move to their key additions because there were a lot of additions to this team obviously mm-hmm. gordon hayward jason tatum as you mentioned they did trade bradley for marcus morris they signed aaron baines um they got smaller additions like gershon yabusele and i think it's anta zisic is how you pronounce mm-hmm. it um mm-hmm. but those are smaller additions that aren't going to play a huge role obviously with how much depth they have um okay Of course, Gordon Hayward is an all-star. He provides elite scoring on the wing. Um, He's a pretty competent defender. Um, He's not... Terrible. He's not great. He's you know kind of around average, if slightly above average at best. Um, He can also handle the ball a little bit more than people think. I I mean, which will be good to take off some pressure from Isaiah Thomas, who basically was the only player that could create for them last year. Um, Hayward averaged three and a half assists per game last year, so that's a pretty good addition on the wing to create, add some playmaking to the Celtics. Um, In terms of Tatum and Morris, um, obviously they made that big trade which we're going to analyze more in depth when we get to the 76ers because I think it's more unique from the 76ers' perspective. But they added Jason Tatum, they added Morris... And that just adds to how the, the crop, I call it the crop of wings that they have. I mean, they've got Jalen Brown, they've got Hayward, they've got Tatum, they've got Jay Crowder, they've got Marcus Morris. I mean, those are all five quality wings that have to find their own playing time this year. Um, and
1: I mean, Stevens does say that he doesn't believe in positions, he's the advocate for positionless basketball, but you know you still have to defend the paint you still have to rebound which we'll get into and you st- the defense is a, the, the defensive end of Hayward yes he came from a very strong defensive team but he was a net zero on the defensive box plus minus yeah so how good is he going to be on a team that's not great defending
0: yeah and well the thing is that in at least i mean the thing with Hayward is at least he's not going to hurt your defense he's just going to be there i basically is what i think you can kind of call up chalk up his defense to being um what's I mean, what's
1: your thought on who on how Isaiah Thomas is going to mesh with Hayward because Isaiah needs the ball in his hands
0: yeah and the thing i mean the thing with Isaiah, and we actually, someone on, on the 94 Feet Report website actually wrote a really long piece about him with analyzing some of his film from last year, which I thought was really good. Um, he's good at running off screens, but those screens are usually to run him off to get him on a mismatch so he can take the ball himself and then create something. Um, so obviously he can play off ball, and I haven't looked up what his like catch and shoot numbers were last year. Um, obviously he creates a lot of weird matchups um, and he loves to run off screens if you you know watching the Celtics last year they ran so many screens for Thomas he would start in the corner and run through like three screens before getting to the ball the top of the key before kind of initiating something for either himself or someone else um, mm-hmm. you know I mean I can imagine Hayward bringing up the ball Thomas in the corner and you got guys like Horford and Crowder setting screens for Thomas obviously Horford and Crowder can also shoot the three ball themselves so that provides good spacing um, I don't have any real concerns with how they're going to mesh um, I think it's going to be – I mean obviously when you add two, an, an all-star to a previous all-star, you know, it takes time. And we're going to talk about other teams today that added an all-star like the Thunder that obviously will take time to mesh. And the Rockets adding Chris Paul will take a lot of time to mesh. Um, the Bulls – I mean the, not the Bulls. The Timberwolves adding Jimmy Butler will take time to mesh. So I think that all pairings will have time to mesh. But I have less concerns about this pairing with Hayward and Thomas than I do, say, Paul and James Harden or something like that.
1: Yeah, but it – We'll see, I guess. Uh, you wanted to know uh, Isaiah Thomas's catch-and-shoot. What did you want to know? His field goal percentage?
0: Yeah, what's his shooting percentage on catch-and-shoot? His uh,
1: catch-and-shoot field goal percentage is 40.3. Uh,
0: that is not great. Not
1: great. <laughs> not great uh, at all. 40.3 and... What was it on three-pointers? Uh, on catch-and-shoot three-pointers? Yeah. Ooh. They hmm. shall catch and shoot. They shall pull-ups, 41.3, less than 10 per feet, 53.9, other, 33.3. Uh, Three-point uh, catch and shoot, 39.9.
0: 39.9. Okay. Uh yeah. That's not – I mean that's, that's good. It's not great. Um, mm-hmm. So – and he gets – as at much rate. as I everyone at, thought
1: he was him. really great in late clock situations, he actually di- uh, regresses as he goes. I made some some other points, too, that I can get into after. I don't want to keep interrupting you.
0: I uh, Actually, wait. I, on NBA.com stats page, I have him at 40.4% on threes. Um,
1: oh, I was talking about catch and shoot threes.
0: Yeah, that's what I have him on right now, too.
1: Well, oh, I'm, on, I'm on the page that says catch and shoot. Yeah. 43.6 field goal percentage and 41.8 on three-point.
0: I have him at 40.5 on field goal percentage, 40.4 on three-point percentage.
1: Are you on 2016-17, like the whole season, or did you filter it?
0: Yeah, 2016-17 regular season. That's interesting. Um, but anyways, it's around the same ballpark, so we know he's, he's not great. <laughs> But he's on threes. He's at least solid. Obviously, now he'll probably get more looks um, playing off the ball alongside Hayward more. But again, yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting pairing. I don't think I don't have too many concerns about it. You know, I think Stevens is good enough to kind of draw enough plays for them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so we all talked about the the forwards. I think Aaron I think- Baines is a fine add uh, you know an additional presence on the inside he's physical he can help rebounding a little bit which the celtics were terrible and i think they were 27th in rebounding last 27th
1: year. overall this is some of the points i had for you they ranked 27th overall in defensive rebounding percentage they were 25th in offensive rebounding percentage uh 23rd in blocks in terms of the players that they lost in Amir Johnson, Jonas Ravko, Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and Tyler Zeller, who they Mm waived. They they uh, accounted for 7.7 assists per game, 5.3 offensive rebounds per game, 16.1 defensive rebounds, and 21.4 total rebounds. So, in in case in the case of the offensive rebounds, that's 46 percent of the of their offensive rebounds, 42 percent overall. The new guys they added: Hayward, Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines. Their total is 3.2 offensive rebounds, 11.4 defensive rebounds, and 14.4 total rebounds. So here's a team that ranked 27th last year that has to make up all those rebounds. Like, we're talking 21.4 versus 14.4. That's a huge difference, over 7 rebounds a game.
0: Yeah, and the thing with Baines is that he will help out rebounding a little bit, but he also doesn't block shots. Um, he doesn't really get vertical. He just has a big mm-hmm. physical presence And they were
1: 23rd in, in blocks. So Yeah,
0: and and the thing with Avery Bradley, one of the most underrated aspects about him is that wasn't Avery Bradley the leading rebounder last year? I'm pretty sure. Leading <laughs> guard rebounder. He, I think he averaged, didn't he average like six rebounds per game, I think?
1: I um, can the tell you. Yeah. No, yeah. Avery averaged 6.1 total rebounds. I mean, yeah, I think he might have been.
0: That's very impressive for a shooting guard. So that's a big loss right there. Um, Baines is just an an addition, obviously, just to be physical on the inside. Yeah, you're right. He
1: was the number one rebounder.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Um, (laughs) But the thing with the Celtics adding Baines is he's a physical presence, but they still lack that mobile center slash big man, whatever you want to call it, if you don't use positions anymore, um, who can kind of really, is really good at switching in the pick and roll onto guards, is, you know, more able to, you know, move laterally, horizontally, they still lack that. I mean, Baines is certainly not that. Horford is a step slow. Uh, I think Horford's going to be 31 next year, so... um, Yeah, and his
1: contract's going to start looking a little bit less desirable as he ages. Um, He didn't move as well last year. He's not a great rebounder. I mean, the fact that you've got Al Horford playing center or power forward and... Oh no, he had the most rebounds, sorry hon. he's 6.8 rebounds, oh,
0: so he was point seven
1: more. But look at all the assists they've lost as well. And you've got Jalen Brown who's going to get a bigger role. But in 17 minutes per game, he didn't even average an assist or three rebounds.
0: And not that, not yeah, great. Yeah, um, and that kind of brings us to the first question I have about this team. What will the starting lineup be? I mean, we can kind of already predict the, the big ones. Isaiah Thomas at point guard, Al Horford at center. But I'm telling you, shooting guard through power forward and I know Stevens doesn't like using positions anymore it gets interesting obviously Hayward's best position is small forward but then that kind of puts you at starting at a small by lineup like maybe a Jay Crowder at power forward Marcus Morris at power forward what do you do at shooting guard I mean do you play Marcus Smart at shooting guard Jalen Brown they're both not great shooters um you know
1: Corford's gonna get moved to center which he's gonna hate honestly I think yeah. they're going to have. I mean, it's positionless, but he'll be guarding centers, and he will not like it, unless they're going to put Marcus Morris. And how tall is Marcus Morris?
0: I mean, I, I want to say. Oh,
1: this was another little fact I had for you. Guess who the smallest team in the NBA is? Shortest.
0: Is it the team we're currently discussing? <laughs> That's
1: correct. Right. They are the shortest team in the
0: NBA. Marcus Morris is six nine, by the way. Okay,
1: so you've got him at six nine. Horford's probably six ten and a half maybe maybe six nine himself mm-hmm. so i think you put they start horford at center or morris and just hope that morris can battle with the boys um then they ha- i think they have to play hayward at small forward to make it work and i think uh that they have jay uh jaylen brown um and Isaiah, I guess, right? I mean, I mean, they could put Crawford, uh, Crowder, in there, but he hasn't necessarily been someone. I don't know. I, I'm not a big Cro- uh, Crowder, as my friend calls him Chowder, fan. I'm just not.
0: Um, I think that. I mean, another option they could do is is play Hayward at shooting guard, Crowder at small forward, and Marcus Morris at power forward, and then Horford at center. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you play Jalen Brown at starting shooting guard, and obviously he can start and then get taken off quickly, but if you're playing him at shooting guard, that really can hurt your spacing. I mean, I know that Thomas is a good shooter, Hayward's a good shooter, Crowder's a decent enough shooter, Al Horford's a good shooter for a big man, so I guess it won't hurt them that much, but Jalen Brown can, can limit their offense playing shooting guard. So, I mean, obviously I think that Shooting guard is the most interesting position in terms of who they're going to start.
1: And center. For, and center for me because they've got Zizek, who they can put at center. They've got Baines they can put at center. But are you going to start with those guys? Don't think so.
0: Yeah. I, right? I, I mean, I don't I don't see Baines starting. I mean, he could start for like 10 minutes. I mean, like, I mean he could do one of those like Thon Maker starts where he starts and gets pulled after like three or four minutes. And then, then they go to Horford at center and, and move up Crowder to like power forward or something like that. Mm. But – um. I, oh,
1: and the um, Celtics are also the least experienced squad in the league.
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think that – I don't have any concerns about that, I mean, moving forward. I mean, I guess in terms of, I guess, playoff experience would be something. But they did just make the conference final, so most of the guys that are on the team, still on the team at least, uh, mm-hmm. have gotten some experience. But we already talked about – we already somewhat talked about how much more of a threat they are in, in, earlier when you kind of mentioned the other team. So I want to go to the my third question, which I think is, One of the most interesting questions about the Celtics is, you know, how will they approach next summer? Because we know Thomas is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He wants the max. He has said he wants the max. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is a restricted free agent. So they can somewhat control his market. But again, a team could come in and, you know, throw some money at him. Um, And the thing is, the question obviously begs, can they ever say surpass the Cavs or make it out of the East with Isaiah Thomas playing 30 to 35 minutes per game and being their somewhat of their best player because that's the big question with them
1: well here's the thing there's a couple of things about the Celtics I find. I have a debate all the time with Rich Condon about this because he's
0: a big fan of them.
1: I'm not so much, probably because I'm a Raptors fan mm-hmm. when all is said and done. Yes, I'm an NBA fan and I try to be as realistic and not not pull on the fan hat. But years of not liking the Celtics because of being a Raptor fan are hard to get over at times, <laughs> as I'm sure you understand with your favorite team against the nemesis, right? Yeah. Um, I love Brad Stevens, Here's here's my main thing is that I find that Danny Ainge I call him the Shylock of GMs. <laughs> he's he's ripped off so many teams, and it's well known in the league, well known across the association, that if you pull too many moves where other teams feel that you're shafting them, I think that's why Ainge has had a hard time getting deals done. You know, like yeah there was talk of supposedly a a deal almost being on the table for uh, Jimmy Butler, same thing for Paul, uh, Paul George. And, and they backed out. It's because Ainge is so known for ripping off teams that a lot of teams don't want to do business with him um, I think Brad Stevens is one of the most I would put him in my upper echelon of coaches I think he'll do a great job as much as you and I are trying to figure out how the heck are they going to put this team together and how does it mesh th- there's one coach that'll figure it out other than Pops or Carlisle it's it's probably him mm-hmm. right absolutely um but here's the, here I I just don't think that Ainge is going to give uh, Isaiah Thomas the full money and why should he because as good as Isaiah Thomas is what is there to prove that he can perform in the playoffs nothing
0: or or the big the bigger thing with Thomas is that he you can never I don't think you can ever have an elite top 5 to 7 defense with him playing 30 35 minutes a night you just can't you I mean you just can't I I mean I know it's his height that really kills him but it, it kills your defense so much, and he provides so much offensive value and we'll see if that offensive value takes a little bit of a dip now that Haywards would also provide additional offensive value um but his I mean is- they
1: have some good defenders. The problem to your point is that he also has an attitude he doesn't like it. remember last season they lost a couple of games, and he came out and called out Brad Stevens publicly. Now, because he was so enamored by all of the Celtics' nation at that point, nobody really got on his case. But the bottom line was the kid, they just shut him down in the playoffs. It's very simple to shut him down once the team's able to, like, look and see what they're doing. Now, Hayward should add some dynamics to that, but do you give him a max contract over Hayward?
0: Well, the thing or is, pay
1: him as much as Hayward? Or, and when you've got two young studs like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum coming up in the mix, I think the factor is going to be, and I'll go back to what I said about the Celtics, is I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Ainge is on the phone daily talking to Mills over in, in Cleveland trying to get Kyrie Irving.
0: I, I could see that and getting rid I'm of... And Ka- Isaiah. Yeah. And the thing with, and when it comes also relating to Isaiah and also relating to their other big restricted free agent Marcus Smart this will be a very big year for him if he can show some improvement uh, first as a shooter obviously his defense has been good Um, if he can show some additional playmaking some improvement in shooting then the Celtics can look at it and say listen you know they can probably and should look at it before the trade down and say listen Smart's having a good year he's improved in some aspects he's going to be a restricted free agent let's focus on keeping him we'll trade Isaiah get some other assets and move forward I I think that's what they're that's what they should do in my opinion.
1: I mean he's a net negative in the box score he's a minus two defensively minus three overall because he's a plus 1.6 offensively the other factor that's very interesting about this team is they're the eastern um complement to the Houston Rockets in that they shoot more threes than they shoot twos the majority of their shots are from the perimeter Mm -hmm, so how are these young guys going to translate into that system and is brad's going to have to change how he functions his offense because you can't expect tatum and brown to come in and just be firing up threes and marcus smart isn't necessarily going to be able to do it or crowder they lost avery bradley who's one of their best three-point shooters
0: yeah, they. I mean, and and Tate and Brown especially is not known as a shooter. Tatum is known as a good mid-range shooter, but not someone who has stretched it out to the three-point line consistently yet. Hayward's a fine three-point shooter, obviously. Kelly was a three-point shooter. Yep, Kelly was a good three-point shooter and floor spacer as a big. So, I mean. I think one of the more interesting off-seasons was from the Celtics and, and moving forward. They have a continued, a very interesting season. Um, a lot of people talk about OKC in terms of Paul George and Westbrook potentially being free agents and leaving, but I think the Celtics' issues with deciding on if they're going to keep Isaiah Thomas and do what to do with Marcus Smart I think is also a very fascinating thing and could Absolutely. lead to a yeah. huge Absolutely. trade. Um, in the middle of the season but
1: yeah we're talking the difference of one or two players and this team suddenly isn't a playoff team or is the best playoff team
0: yeah so a very interesting team to watch as very the very precarious Celtics. so all right let's move on to uh the toronto raptors a team obviously we've had you on the show before and we know that you know oh, raptors, can I just so. make
1: one more quick point before we move on
0: okay yeah
1: Um, sorry i know we're getting a little <laughs> bit long in the tooth here Um, I just have to find the point that I made because I moved too far down on my page. As far as the clutch shooting goes, I looked up these stats because I was really uh, curious about it. And as for Hayward, um, in the clutch... He shoots just 27.8 from deep during clutch minutes Mm -hmm. and 39.7 overall in clutch situations. In comparison, Isaiah shoots 40 from deep and 47.8 from the field in clutch situations and scores 5.1 points to 2 points for Hayward. Now, granted, this is coming from... Thomas always taking the shot and not including playoffs. So I just thought that was an interesting stat and worthwhile bringing up because I I would assume part of the reason Hayward came to Boston was to be reunited with Stevens and to expect to be more a part of the offense and really be the man and, my thing will be for fans to keep an eye out this season is if Hayward starts getting more shots than Thomas, does Thomas become disenchanted, and will that cause conflict in the locker room?
0: Yeah, and that's something that happens with all teams. I mean, we saw with the Warriors last year, there were times in the first month or two where it would get down to crunch time, and basically you know, they would just hand the ball to Kevin Durant or hand the ball to Steph Curry, and they would not know what to do, and then they try and do something on their own. You know, Stevens has a big job of trying to get these two to, you know, coexist, to understand that if one has more shots than the other, it's not the end of the world. Uh, Obviously, design plays that get both of them involved, whether that's off ball screens and stuff like that. So again, Yeah,
1: and Thomas has to try to defend because Hayward can't be the one that's playing two ways and ask Tatum and Brown to do it and Thomas not do it. Yeah. but expect a max contract. I'm just, I just say, keep an eye because Thomas has a tendency to get very disenchanted if he's not the guy, which is why he got moved several times. So if anything gets a little precarious, I mean, I, I personally believe Danny Ainge is trying to get Kyrie Irving and he'll give up Tatum knowing that he has all those youngsters and you know, the plethora of picks to build around and uh, all these guys that are, getting better overseas to pull from right
0: yeah they have so many assets to work to work with um mm-hmm. all right let's move on to the okay. raptors so i have some key losses obviously pj tucker patrick patterson they sold off to Murray carroll which was which was a pretty tough sell they had to give up two picks and then Corey mm. joseph so my thing is that you know pj tucker and, and patterson's defense and intensity i think will be missed um They're both valuable players. The fact that Patterson has developed into a good three-point shooter for a big man makes him even more valuable in today's NBA. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, Carroll, I think Carroll was upgraded, um, and we'll get to that later when we get to the additions. Um, And then Joseph is a quality backup point guard, I think, but they had Mm -hmm. younger options to turn to, and I know you're high on some of those younger options as well, so I'll let you talk about those options in terms of the key losses that they had this summer.
1: Well, the big thing about the Raptors, and I said this at the end of the season, uh, the Toronto Raptors... The goal was obviously to re-sign Kyle Lowry. Masai Ujiri did a masterful job. He basically went to Lowry and Ibaka, who have the same agent... Lowry, I think, wanted five years. And just like all the pundits out there said DeMar DeRozan was going to L.A., I said Lowry would be back. And, of course, he's back. And we got him at three years. So I think Nijiri basically said, look, this is uh, two years in a row, a 50-win team. We're going to keep the core together. You 2 meaning Ibaka and Lowry, only played 24 games together. That's what people forget because Lowry was out. We got Ibaka, and he played – you know, two games with Lowry before the end of the season because Lowry was out, and then they played together in the playoffs. So we haven't seen a full season. The factor that hurt us is it was a key, key target of them to bring back P.J. Tucker. Because of, not just because of his three-point shooting, not just because of his defense. It was his attitude that made everyone around him defend better between him and Ibaka. Mm-hmm. So that was a really big loss, but so is Patterson. And the reason why is because of the bench minutes. Um, there was a great article either by John Schumann or someone that wrote uh, on NBA.com that the Raptors have by far been the best uh, bench in the East. For, and only behind um, San Antonio the last two seasons. And not by points, just an overall performance, basically. And their starts have always been a big issue. A lot of that is tied around the fact that DeMaria Carroll and jo- uh, Jonas Valanciunas are on the floor together. And, you know, we're going into, what, the seventh season for Jonas Valanciunas, and he still doesn't know how to defend a pick-and-roll and still has that feet. Well, they, that was someone who they were shopping heavily. And at this point, I'd be quite happy for Jakob Pertl to step in and take his spot because we're not an offense that utilizes the center that much anyway. But he's got good hands and he's a better defender and he's hitting threes already. So we'll see what happens and whether they stick with Jonas or not. Jonas, when he's dialed in, is great. But his performance in the playoffs was abysmal. But getting rid of Carroll was a big deal. Someone tried to tell me that, you know, Picking up Miles in, in place of him was a bad deal because Carroll's numbers were better. And I said, what numbers are those? And he said, the last four seasons. I said, well, for the last two seasons, he's played for the Raptors, and he's only played 67 games, and his numbers have regressed each year. He's, I think, three years older than Miles, and he's making eight million billion more a year. I'll take CJ Miles, who shot 41.3% from corner threes last year. Hello. So, yes, mm-hmm. the big deal with, uh, with that, what's going to happen this year People forget that last season, the Raptors had the fifth youngest team in the league. This year, they have the sixth or seventh youngest team, and after all is said and done, they just signed a couple of guys to non-guaranteed contracts, both former Rockets, mm-hmm. Kyle Wilcher, who's a three-point bomber, and... Yesterday, they, they signed K.J. McDaniels mm-hmm. to a non-guaranteed contract. So the position that's really up in the air for them, which is very interesting because we just talked about a team loaded with small forwards and wings, is is the small forward position. Because obviously the backcourt is the all-star car- court in set. Whether they have Jonas Valanciunas, so they trade him, they're fine with the the, the the center position as well because they can bring Pertl in off the bench and Bebe Nugira, who's still under contract for this season season at the power forward they have uh, Serge Ibaka and Pascal Siakam could be the most improved Raptor of last season I made a bet with someone and said by the time we, they, we come back he'll be shooting threes in the offseason uh, he was hitting threes like crazy and by the way DeMar DeRozan uh, had a workout where he shot I think 600 threes and he hit 67 percent so watch for him to improve in that area as well but there are a plethora of young guys on this team. First of all, now that we've gotten rid of Carol, uh, someone said to me, "Will Miles be starting at the at the small forward?" And I said, "No, I ex- actually expect Norman Powell to start either at the small forward or the shooting guard. However, they position him and DeRozan because Toronto will be will be on a romancing and wooing trip this year to keep Norman Powell because he was signed in the second round and not and didn't actually get his contract till the end of. Uh, Vegas in his rookie season, so they don't have the capacity to be able to give him the normal offer they would give a rookie. Hence, uh, they will be trying wholeheartedly to keep Norman Powell because he is so much better when he starts versus when he comes off the bench. Mm -hmm. So look for Powell to get serviceable minutes this year. He's a freak athlete. His reach, uh, he's three inches shorter than Terrence Ross, but his reach is four inches longer than Terrence Ross. Mm Mm-hmm. Which people didn't understand why I wanted him on the floor instead of Terrence Ross. That's that's a lot of why. why. And he's he's just a kid that will do well. Also, we had, we were able to get rid of Corey Joseph because we had this glut of uh, we uh, the Raptors going into the offseason had by far the most depth and the best depth at point guard Kyle Lowry, who is what makes this team go. He's the one, I call it Lowry time. Whenever the team Toronto came back from more losses or more double digit deficits last year for the second year in a row than any other team and it's Lowry. Lowry's the one that initiates it. He just turns them on. Um, They had Corey Joseph, a a very efficient backup point guard, great two-way player. But the two players, the reason they were able to get rid of Corey Joseph, both are excellent defenders. You saw a bit of one in Las Vegas, which was Fred Van Mm Bleet, And the other one is DeLon Wright. We haven't seen a lot of him uh, because last year he... uh, tore a muscle in his shoulder at vegas and he didn't come back till mid-season but you saw him in the playoffs yes in some garbage time but he's one of those he's very similar to sean livingston mm-hmm. he's tall he's six six. he can play point guard shooting guard small forward he actually went to school with Jakob pertle so the bench lineup of him and pertle they know each other very well So that will be a a positive factor. They can put him on the floor. I'm I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see both him and Van Bleek get minutes this season because Lowry has always been someone who's performed really well with the bench units. But because we lost, think about this, in the last two years, we've lost Biombo, we've lost Terrence Ross, we've lost Patterson, Corey Joseph, all guys that had major minutes from the bench. Mm -hmm. So this bench that has been so good has been – virtually devastated let's also not forget that we have O.G. Ananobi Mm -hmm. who a lot of people are likening to um a Kawhi Leonard type light in that he's going to be very good defensively and has the potential for massive growth and his body is already an NBA body if you've seen him and expect to see him in short shorts that's his fashion statement he'll be in those (laughs) um and the other big question mark, obviously, is going to be what's going to happen with Bruno Caboclo. This is the, the they're probably going to want to have him have another. I I kind of anticipate seeing him in the in the spring. We'll see what happens, but he really flourished under uh, Jerry Stackhouse with the D League. Mm-hmm. They won the uh, well now it's called the G. I call it the, <laughs> the GD League. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they won the championship last year. Pascal Siakin was the MVP. And Kaboklo uh, shot, I think he had 31 points, 10 or 11 rebounds, five or six blocks, and he had five or six threes. So the kid is really, he's, he's getting it. What no one realizes is when they did draft Kaboklo, it was a reach, but he's someone that never really had a lot of minutes. He just ended the first year that he was with the Raptors. They didn't have their G League team yet.
0: Mm-hmm. So he
1: wasn't able to go get minutes anywhere. So last year was his first real season of playing every day, traveling, being with a team, practicing. So I think we're going to see him probably be what they're hoping will become the small forward of the future. Mm-hmm. And that they'll hope that Ananobi will become the power forward of the future. Yeah. So. There's a lot of young guys, and all they really need is for one or two of them to take a step. Pascal Siakam is great defensively. He doesn't need the ball to be given to him, but he can still score. You saw him in Vegas. He made a difference every time he was on the floor. And Fred VanVleet is Kyle Lowry clone. He is. (laughs) He literally is. Watch him play. He is a Kyle Lowry clone. You can tell that Kyle Lowry has rubbed off on him, but he has a very similar mindset, and he has a very similar game. So I expect to see all these guys getting minutes. The big battle as I said in in training camp is going to be which player uh, ends up getting the position for this the extra position on the bench because they've signed a bunch and they're all very different They've got CJ or KJ McDaniels as I said they brought in Kyle Wilcher they also have if I can find my notes somewhere here. They also have uh, McKinney, Alonzo McKinney, and Miller uh, and Meeks. They, they've, they've signed a bunch of guys, but Alonzo McKinney and Malcolm Miller are two guys as well. But expect to see a pretty major battle, and it'll be a very healthy training camp Um Toronto also was not one of the tallest squads last year to put in perspective Uh, the tallest team i forget in the league right now but the second tallest is golden state third tallest is milwaukee not a big surprise but Toronto's now the seventh tallest uh, team in the league which is pretty major and they remain the sixth youngest team in the league so they have a core they have bets and they've given their their core three years to make it work so In in the East, which is very much now wide open, it could be the Wizards that take the top spot. It could be Toronto that takes the top spot. Cavaliers could get their crap together and they could take the top spot. But by no means are the Cavaliers guaranteed the first spot, nor are are the Celtics, by any stretch of the imagination. I would say, though, it's a pretty safe bet Uh, Everyone's expecting this huge jump from Milwaukee, but they're not going to be with Jabari Parker to start the season, and they have a ton of young guys as well. Yes, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is an amazing athlete, and he'll be an MVP one day, but I'm not sure they they have enough yet to make that extra leap. They could be a top-four team, but... I I don't see them taking number one overall or being among that mix. I I think it's going to come down to Toronto, Washington, Cleveland, and Boston again. We'll see. Maybe Detroit will take a jump this year because they certainly underperformed last season.
0: Yeah, I think the East, and and the East especially, I think the middle of the East, I think we have a kind of clear, I think we have a somewhat clear top four, really, in those teams you mentioned.
1: The next team we're going to talk about, if they stay healthy, could factor into
0: this. Yes, exactly. We'll get to them in just a second. But um, I think, yeah, as you said, I think there's kind of a clear top four in terms of Boston, Washington, Cleveland, and Toronto. I think you obviously can put Milwaukee as the next team after those four. Um, After that, it gets really, really interesting. And we're about to talk about a team that I think could sneak in there if, obviously, health is a big issue. Um, You kind of already talked about everything I wanted to talk about. And you almost answered my my question that I had was – do you Sorry, think- you asked about the Raptors,
1: <laughs> and I just kind of go off, right?
0: That's exa- No, <laughs> listen, I know when we have when we're talking Raptors, I I present the uh, the, uh, the question or the topic, and then I just sit back and I let you uh, speak your expertise. Of course. Okay, um, so
1: going to your questions just quickly, so we don't spend all day on them. <laughs> is yeah, I firmly believe that the Raptors can reach the finals, the conference finals again, especially with a healthy Lowry. Uh, and I as I said we need an X factor I, I do think we're gonna see a lot more out of Siakim, a lot more out of uh, DeLon right this year and and van bleet so I do th- I do think it's highly feasible especially given their schedule they start the season off on a horrendous I think they play 20 of their first 33 games on the road um, but they finish the season with the less hectic schedule and overall at strength 28th um, and I'm not sure the Celtics will be better. The Wizards are the team that, that scare me the most because their starting five is incredible. I love John yeah. Wall. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does. I'm not a huge Bradley Beale fan, but I really like the growth that Otto Porter made. I think that... Brooks, it may not be Brooks so much, it may be his assistants, but I think what they do to grow their players is interesting, but their bench depth is still always going to be an issue and they lost out more players just to keep Porter, so that may end up costing them the top spot, but they're not to be trifled with by any stretch, but Atlanta's going to fall out of the mix for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, Alright, let's move on to the 76ers, I think, another, another fascinating team I think. Fascinating. Um, so key losses really nothing significant. I guess you can count role players like Gerald Henderson and Sergio Rodriguez, but I don't really count them that much. Um, key additions, we already mentioned and we already talked about Amir Johnson. Um, yeah. J.J. Redick obviously is a big one, and obviously the big one is Markel Fultz. Um <laughs> The thing I love about the Redick and Johnson signings, Johnson's a very good veteran presence. Reddick's a good shooter to space the floor. But the fact that they're both one-year deals is very important because that yeah. allows Philadelphia to maintain the cap space for next summer when I think that they're really going to be ready to take the next leap. I think that this year is kind of a throw it on the court, throw a lot of talent on the court, hope they stay healthy and see what you get. And then next year they have – they can maintain their cap space and obviously add some other marquee free agents to really take the next leap in the East, especially with Cleveland by next summer could be deteriorated. So um, I like the fact that they're one-year deals. You know, last season, the 76ers were 25th in three-point percentage. Obviously, J.J. Redick will help that a lot. And obviously, spacing the floor around Ben Simmons will have the ball in his hand a lot because Simmons can't shoot is also important. Um and now obviously the, the, the trade is, is kind of one of the biggest, I think the biggest move they made this offseason. They traded their third pick, which obviously went to the Celtics and turned into turned into Jason Tatum. And they have a future first. It's a complicated pick protections. It could be the Lakers next year's pick or the Kings in two years, depending on how the Lakers pick falls this upcoming year, and then it can turn into the Kings one. But it's going to be a future first and a pretty good future first. Um, so the questions to answer about the 76ers. Obviously, the one that we really can't answer is, can they stay healthy? That's just a kind of generic question, obviously, with a yeah, team. Yeah, 31
1: games in, in three years for Embiid. Embiid, and, and
0: they need Embiid on the floor. He's a
1: stud. There's no question about it. But, hello, yeah. can you stay healthy?
0: It's a big You know,
1: concern. 2.2 points per 100 possessions better offensively. Nine points better <sighs> per 100 possessions defensively. I mean, he was a plus 67. On a team that lost 54 games.
0: Incredible, yeah. So he has his yeah. inner floor. Obviously, Ben Simmons hasn't played yet. And, you know, those foot injuries or whatever can be troubling for big men. It's very um,
1: similar to last season, Eric. Don't you think? I mean, yeah, they know that Embiid is a stud. But just like last season when everyone was saying who's going to win rookie of the year, I was like, don't forget there's two rookies coming out of Philadelphia that hadn't played, which was Embiid and Saric. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This season, it's going to be Simmons and Fultz.
0: Yeah, a a lot of competition right on the same team for Rookie of the Year. Um, But of course, Simmons has to stay healthy. Um, And then so if the 76ers stay healthy, this is the big question. If they stay healthy, can they make the playoffs? What is your thoughts on that? If they're healthy, Yes. And we should quantify this. I think that I qualify staying healthy as Embiid playing over 60 to 65 games. And Same for Simmons. That's what I quantify as being healthy. I don't expect him to play 75 games or 70 games, just over 60. I mean I I, think
1: they'll probably rest Embiid and they should in all the back-to-backs unless mm -hmm. he proves that he's fine. But Embiid is that much of a difference. I really do think that there's a couple of players that this is going to be the X factor on this team. And if Simmons stays healthy, then watch for Robert Covington to contend for most improved player or sixth man. Because Robert Covington does so much. He's very – this is the thing about Brian Colangelo. That move to bring in Amir for one year. Amir is going to be so good for Robert Covington. Because Mm -hmm. Amir does all the little intangible things, much like Patrick Patterson, who left the Raptors. And a lot of people would say, oh, Patterson's not that good. And I'm like, yeah, but Patterson, against his opponents, they shot 6.9% or 6.9 points less. He was better than Kyrie Leonard and better than Draymond Green in terms of one-on-one defense. Mm -hmm. Patrick Patterson. Okay? And he was covering up most of the time for the lead-footed Jonas (laughs) Valanciunas. Like yeah. hello, so that's Amir Johnson used to do the same thing. So I think Amir Johnson is going to be very, very good for Robert Covington. And if Simmons stays healthy, both Sarich and and Covington become key factors as to how good this team becomes.
0: Yeah, I
1: don't think it's so much about Reddick. Reddick. Yes, he stretches the floor. I don't necessarily think he's a quality locker room guy because you can't have all the dissatisfaction that was going on in Clipperland and and say that someone's great. Crawford, I will say, is great, and he's a a gentleman. But I've seen too much from Reddick, like him calling out Lowry for going to the bathroom in the playoffs. Like, who the hell are you to talk?
0: Mm -hmm. You know, you guys haven't
1: gone to uh, the Western Conference finals, so shut up. You know?
0: Yeah. Seriously. uh... Uh, and uh, Yeah, and, and I think that Reddick, the re- addition of Reddick is basically for the shooting. Obviously, Johnson's basically more for the, the veteran leadership presence. Um, no,
1: Reddick went for the payday,
0: let's <laughs> let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he said that he turned down a long-term deal with the Rockets because the 76ers offered him more this upcoming season. So, again, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, it'll be interesting to see what happens when these are one-year deals. So, obviously, it's kind of like a test experiment run, and we'll see right. if the 76ers...
1: But, but Colangelo knows Amir well. Yeah. Colangelo brought him over and and saw what he did on the Raptors squad. He saw what he, how he developed. He saw how he was in the locker room. Amir is going to be very, very good for this young squad. I think, as you say, if Embiid stays healthy, if those two guys measure up, my question for you, because you asked whether it was one of your questions, was the the trade for Markel Fultz a good move? My question for you is what, what do you think, moved the 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 bar so much that they felt they couldn't wait till the 3rd pick because the Celtics did not want to pick vaults
0: mm-hmm. the Celtics
1: did not like ball and obviously neither did Philly so why couldn't they wait that one extra pick really or because there was no way LA wasn't going to take ball
0: it's really it's really interesting because the Celtics after they made the trade said that they had already intended to draft Tatum um, and obviously, Josh Jackson didn't even work out for the Celtics, which is a whole other issue. But um, so, I mean, do we know? Character, I
1: mean, character, character.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So um, what was I saying? I, I mean,
1: here's the thing. For me, and I, 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 I'm I, biased because I personally think, lo and behold, the man that I throw the most shade at in the world, which is Lottie Divac, had a really great offseason yeah. and got – some of the players in the draft that I was like, holy cow, this guy did really well. And I, as much as he's has a propensity to go for the bigs and, t- and he took Harry Giles and he took that, that risk reward, I think it was a really solid, smart move of him. Because if their doctors looked at him and said his knees are okay, Harry Giles, let's not forget, was a top three projected guy for many years until he got hurt. Yeah. So that could be huge. But I love love De'Aaron Fox and Uh he is a quality character kid he's someone he he blew away Alonzo Ball in their matchup Mm -hmm. he's the kind of guy that gets up for meetings and and just doesn't look back and they brought in some older guys in unfortunately uh the guy that likes to smoke pot evidently Zach Mm Randolph and Vince Carter who'll be great with the kids in Sacramento but what what was so special in your mind about Fultz that they had to take him, had to give up what they gave up to the shyster Danny Hange and not wait and just say, OK, well, we'll take Fox if we can't get him?
0: Well, the thing is that it's possible that the Celtics are saying that they already they always intended to draft Tatum after they made the trade. There is a po- I mean, I thought that there was a really good possibility that they were going to draft Fultz and then – Start to immediately look to trade Thomas. That's what I thought was a serious possibility um, once they landed that first that first overall pick, and that's something that I would have considered too if I was Danny Age and the Celtics to draft faults and just look for a trade for Thomas because you know if I, I don't. I wouldn't pay him that max anyway, as we just discussed um, with the Celtics. Um, mm-hmm. So that's always a possibility. Maybe they—I mean, maybe the Celtics scared them and and told them in talks that you know we're we're probably going to take Fultz, and they you know were scared, and they were like, okay, we'll give you a future first round pick just to move up two spots. Oh, for
1: sure he did. He's a shyster. I'm when, telling you.
0: When the Lakers were almost guaranteed to take Ball, and obviously they you know now that would have been really interesting if the Celtics had not taken. Fultz or, or Ball and then the Lakers were there with Well, Ball. there was
1: no way the Celtics were going to take Jackson or Ball. They did, They were not impressed with Ball's <laughs> and workouts. They
0: were not going to take Jackson. And Andy
1: Ainge and crew were in the air en route to work out J- Josh Jackson.
0: And he canceled, yeah.
1: And he canceled.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, Folds can be a good you know, you know, because obviously they want the ball in Ben Simmons' hand a lot, and obviously they can put the ball in Foles' hand a lot. And Foles can shoot decently enough to be off the ball, decent enough defender. Reddick now is a shooter there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they balance who handles the point quote unquote point guard duties. Um, Reddick's
1: not a huge assist guy, though.
0: Yeah, he's more for
1: floor spacing and
0: threes. You're talking about Reddick, or yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. I, I'm just saying Reddick is there for shooting. I'm saying between Foles and, and Simmons, who it'd be interesting to see yeah, how they I handle not- the point guard duties.
1: I honestly think to, to your point that Fullets was they needed a point guard,
0: period. End yes. of story.
1: Now, I still think if Jared Bayless comes back healthy this year, he can still provide those services off the bench per se. I don't know. But there's something about Fultz that obviously they're all in on Fultz. They just believe he's going to be a superstar talent that can grow with the core. And I mean, it's hard to deny if you look at this core of Joel Embiid at center, Dario Saric at power forward, Robert Covington at small forward, um, Markel Fultz, uh, sorry, it's small for Ben Simmons, your six man, um, Robert Covington, and your point guard being Markel Fultz, who's, your, who's their shooting guard? Oh, uh, if um, Nick Saus Castillo, Nick uh, Soskis ever yeah. turns out at anything, and maybe he will grow, he got better last year with better team around him, yeah. uh, for this year it'll be Redick, but the cores is undeniably great.
0: Yeah, I think the 76ers are one of the most interesting teams for next season but also one of the more fascinating teams for the future because they maintained mm-hmm. 2018 cap space but also added a key piece to the core, in Markel Fultz. So Okay, if very... you have to
1: guess huh? how many games, if you have to guess how many games does MV play next year? Uh,
0: I'm going to go with 60 straight on the dot. I think that he'll obviously will rest him for most if not all back-to-backs. Um, and then there'll be a couple of games we'll have. He'll just have like nagging pains, and they'll just be so scared they'll just shut him down for that game just to make sure. So I think I think he plays sixty.
1: And what about Simmons?
0: I think Simmons will play. Well, I think they'll also be just as careful. I think he'll probably play around the same sixty, sixty-five. Maybe I mean I, I would hope more than sixty. I'm, I'm just I love draw Embiid so much. I need him on the floor for more than sixty. Am but obviously I think they'll be just as careful with Simmons as they were and are with Embiid. Though Embiid does have a longer injury history, but the Simmons one obviously can still be scary with the foot injury for big men.
1: See, for me, it's kind of like the San Antonio Spurs. I won't bet against them because of pops, and they 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 just constantly get better. Even when they lost Timmy, they 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 win over sixty games. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of similar with Philadelphia in that until I see Joel Embiid play more than half a season, I don't I won't believe it.
0: Mm, well, it's like one of those myths. <laughs> you can't believe that he's not going to play half a season, more than half a season yet, but. Obviously, they need him. So, all right, let's uh, move on to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Mm -hmm. Another interesting... I mean, so many teams had interesting off-seasons this summer, but the Nets have... They're going to
1: do better than everyone thinks they are.
0: I think so, too. So, key loss, Brooke Lopez. I don't count Justin Hamilton, but Brooke Lopez had to go regardless. They're continuing to rebuild, and he just doesn't fit in with their timeline. The key additions are interesting. Now, they obviously... Got D'Angelo Russell and Timmy Vaymozgov back in that Brooke Lopez deal. Um, they added Damari and just to take on the draft picks. They drafted Jared Allen, and then they made a late late summer trade for Allen Crabb. So the thing yeah. with these additions, and obviously, you know, we, we've been spending so much time on the first three teams, we don't have to go overboard with the Nets or Knicks because, well, mm-hmm. especially with the Knicks because they had depressed me, but. Um, <laughs> You know, Russell gets a lot of flack, obviously. He's got I think kids.
1: he's going to surprise some people.
0: Yeah, he has... He gets he's, got, a, he's got something
1: to prove now.
0: Yeah, that's what I think. I think he gets a lot of unnecessary <laughs> flack, and I think that he's... I mean, obviously, he's talented. He has potential. He can play off the ball, on the ball. I think, I like, like you Jared said...
1: Allen, like a lot, too.
0: Yeah, I like what you said. I think he has something to prove, and that'll, be, that'll lead to a good season for him. And obviously, so Russell and the draft picks were the reason to take on the bad contracts in Mozgov and Carroll, and then they made this crab deal where they didn't get any draft picks. They basically view crab as that quote-unquote asset and here's the question the big question with the nets i have is will taking on these big contracts bite them later obviously they got draft picks and they got russell but in two years they'll still have mazgov's contract um they'll still have crab's contract which again are they
1: fully guaranteed is that is that fully guaranteed that last season
0: i'm very very confident that it is i don't know for sure so i don't want to say but i'm very confident that it is so i think that I mean, obviously they got assets, right? And they got Russell and they got some draft picks. But those big contracts could hurt. And I know the Nets are not going to contend for at least another 2 years probably, but even then, they'll still have a Crab contract at 18 million. They'll still have I think the final year of Miles at 16. Um so they just pulled
1: it up. Alan Crab is a player option in 2019-20.
0: Oh boy. That's that's uh. not going to be good. <laughs> jeremy lynn is a player option next summer and and that's another interesting one that you know because the point guard market kind of dried up and we'll see and not, not a lot of teams have spa- cap space for next summer so we'll see you might just opt in just for another year of, of secure good money for him but
1: yeah Mozgov's might... fully guaranteed three years
0: i mean so there's really two questions they're both related to each other obviously the first one i already asked will taking on the big contracts hurt them the second one is kind of are they taking the right approach to rebuild um and my answer to that second question is: I think in the end, I, although I do, I did just say that I think that some of the big contracts will bite them. I think that they did; they are somewhat taking, for the most part, taking the right
1: what path. choice. What choice did Sean Marks have?
0: Exactly, that's the thing. They Look had at no how assets creative he
1: got. Like he forced the Wizards to not have a bench this year by how creative he got with Otto Porter's uh, offer.
0: Yeah, and so... They, they had, offered
1: to him, what, half up front on the first day of the year. They offered... They said that there's a 15% kicker if he gets traded within a certain amount of time. Like, Sean Marks literally was the most creative GM I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, it was Strange. very, very impressive GMing. So I think in the end, that they, they're taking the right path to rebuild. They just had... They had literally nothing to work and with.
1: And gets his players to play hard and tough. Uh, he had worked with Damari Carroll with the Hawks as an assistant. Here's the thing about Demary Carroll next season. He won't be anything special, but I guarantee you the season after he'll put up career numbers because (laughs) I'm now convinced that Demare Carroll is one of those players that plays great in contract years because the money comes in then.
0: Yeah. uh, yeah, and And he'll
1: make everybody forget what was said and done in the last three years but he did not deserve the contract he got in Toronto. He didn't come close to even measuring up to what he was supposed to be. I can count on two hands the number of games in two years, including playoffs, that he was a factor.
0: Yeah, so I think the Nets, I I think in the end, as I just said, I think they're taking the the right path to rebuild. They're still a a ways away from from contending, but they were going to improve um, this season, I think, and do better than most people expect. And I think they could actually do better than the team that I next want to bring up, which are the... New York. By the way,
1: I love Karis Levert. If Jeremy Lin oh, yeah. stays healthy, and if Russell has that chip on his shoulder, and I like Quincy Acey's uh, grit as well, I think I think they'll they'll do much better than everyone's anticipating.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think All right, let's
1: the, go to the nuds.
0: The, the, the New York <laughs> kazoos, as Zach <laughs> likes to call them. It's appropriate appropriate name. So key losses: Derek Rose and Is almost he a key loss. Almost, I don't think so. But I have to name him. He's a key name. Apparently, everyone still thinks <laughs> Is he's Paolo a superstar. Fellow Anthony
1: believes a key loss.
0: Well, Carmelo Anthony is going to be a key loss because I think that it will change not everything because James Dolan is still the owner. And I think that as long as Dolan's the owner, this team will be a mess. That's what I just – I just think that's how it Mm -hmm. is. I think it's been pretty proven that he is the real – I feel bad
1: for Chilakina because he's getting so much flack from everybody and the kid hasn't even got on the court yet. I think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yes, he was his pick, but I still think he's going to be a good player.
0: I think he'll be a good player, but I think that the fact that they allowed Jackson to make the draft pick, and then I think it was basically maybe a, almost an exact week later that they fired him. If you
1: And they gave him a – didn't they also give him an extension? <laughs> like, I,
0: if you knew that you were going to fire him, you, you're, you're going to do it before the draft because you got to let the new front office pick their guy. Listen, and, as
1: soon as the Oakley shit went down, you knew things were bad there.
0: Oh, my God. What a dysfunctional franchise. But anyway, so key addition – But the
1: sad part is people still want to play there because it's the Mecca.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, and they that decline, and they still. I mean, as we're going to talk about right now, they love. They have a tradition now of, of handing out oversized contracts, and that was seen with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Listen, I actually Tim really Hardaway
1: Jr. Joakim Noah.
0: Well, I don't even, I don't even want to talk Garrett about Rose. that. that, the, ins- that the,
1: the Knicks are known for paying guys that are ready to be put out to pasture. I'm surprised that's they that, weren't. That's the that wasn't If it wasn't for us, uh, for Masai totally shafting them on the Bargnani pick, I think they probably yeah. would have taken Carroll.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly. And, uh, that's That Noah contract just saddens me so much I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, they did hand out Tim I love
1: Joakim Noah. I'm so sad that he never came back from that. Same thing with Dang. I think that they just got like brutalized. Chicago must have one of the worst training uh, medical staffs in the league.
0: Yeah, and Them they were and overworked like crazy. I love Joakim Noah. He went to my high school and I've actually met him. He's a really nice guy. Really? Yeah. Um, oh,
1: wow. He was yeah. one of my favorite players. And yeah, I have, he a just, soft,
0: I have a soft spot for him. The regression
1: he took so quickly is very very sad apparently uh lebron is very very keen on getting the zinger uh to cleveland and new york has said the only way it's going to happen is if you take noah too and our luck noah would go there and return to form which would just be brutal i just but the funniest part about that is remember jokey noah is famously on tape saying um I mean, do you want to go to Cleveland? What's in Cleveland? Isn't yeah. it the mistake on the lake? <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that, might, that might not work out. But uh, So they <laughs> handed out four year 71 for Tim Hardaway Jr. And I actually like Hardaway. I think he's a good player. I probably like him more than most people do, but not at that contract. I mean, they, they were,
1: gave him up. Let's not forget they gave him up. Yes, yes. To
0: it, it's a full circle for the, the kazoos now. Um, the thing is that, the, I mean, I think it right. The, the day after he signed it and the, the Hawks had – I think it was in a Zach Lowe article where the Hawks said that they were willing to do four years 48 and every other team was willing to do four years 48 or around that ballpark. And then all of a sudden the Knicks come in with 71 and you're just – I mean they were – they were, they came out. There was a report that other front offices were laughing and, and openly – Was this
1: the new jam? This, this was the – this
0: was – before, mills. this was mills because this was like two or three days after i think this was a couple of days after they fired so jackson it was dolan's pick then it was probably dolan and mills together they had not brought Let's in not Perry. forget
1: Ed mills was over in orlando when they were like pooping the beds? so
0: yeah. I, I don't i don't know. think mills was very good and no. perry too is also an interesting name he was in sacramento for like six months this year this summer um mm-hmm. Before that, he was in Orlando too. I'm pretty sure, and you know he has mm-hmm. a he has a decent reputation, but nothing to write home about. But obviously, mm-hmm. he wasn't even there when they and signed, he signed
1: Beasley, who you know can't is, shoot the threes, is a bit of a malcontent, has his own issues off court. They end up letting Smith Junior pass to to. I mean, I like Tilakina. I think that people are sleeping on him. But I, yeah. you you asked whether these guys are going to be the worst in the division, and I think. Yes,
0: I think so too. I just
1: just don't see how they're not. Even if they get Kyrie, I don't see how. The two things I will say is I'm very excited to see the growth this season of Mingauskas, uh, Kuzminskas, and Hernan Gomez. Those guys, and, and I like Baker a lot too, but I, I really like Willie Hernan Gomez and I really like Kuzminskas, so we'll see what happens with those two guys, but yeah, there's not too much to be excited about if you're a Knicks fan.
0: Oh man, I mean, I, I, I feel for them. It's a really a long suffering. I
1: don't. <laughs> I don't, because you know, it's in your face when they are winning, so. This is
0: true. That is very true, but yeah. And
1: I, the other factor is fans that are listening, uh, just beware, whenever something comes out of New York, as uh, sources say. It's always BS. <laughs> they
0: yeah. were the
1: sources that said it was for sure that Demar Derozan was going to be a Laker. They were the sources that said for sure Kyle Lowry's not signing back. They were the sources that said, "Oh, this person's—I forget who it was earlier this year—is definitely coming to sign with New York." It's always what it is: is Dolan um, plants these things in the media to try and make it be so.
0: Yeah, yeah, you really, a yeah. Around yeah uh, just sorry I'm sorry Knicks fans it's just an incompetent run franchise and as I just said a couple minutes ago I think that it'll continue to be this bad until Dolan is out as owner and I don't know when or if that's going to happen if that will
1: ever happen now here's the thing you know this because I think we were you might have even been with Space City Scoop back in the day I back in the day picked Kristaps Porzingis and said the Lakers should have selected him second in the draft And I had people asking me if I was on some sort of bad medication or or smoking (laughs) some sort of bad drug. And about eight months later, I pulled up all those people that um, tweeted me that and sent it to them and said, what do you have to say now? Because I feel sorry for him. Because tell me that he isn't already making Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid. He's already well ahead of them if he's on a different team.
0: I I just feel I now that's the big thing. I don't feel bad for the Knicks fans or the organization. I feel bad for Porzingis. I mean, Absolutely. the way he was treated publicly by Jackson was just disgustingly and terribly stupid um, by Jackson. And then they, I mean. And then the whole Carmel Anthony is still there. He's he, they got to get rid of Anthony as soon as possible because if Anthony's there, I think Jackson
1: on the purpose to get the payday and get the hell out of there.
0: He's got to get. They got to give the ball. They got to start building around uh, Porzingis. That's enough with Anthony there. It's enough with, of course, with Jackson. Thank goodness he's gone after publicly just throwing Porzingis under the bus. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if as you mentioned, if Porzingis was on a different team, I have 100 percent confidence that he is. See, I think right now he's beginning to fall in the ranks. I mean, people mention Car Anthony Towns, Jarrell and B. They've already started talking about Nikola Jokic, who I love. Um, but they've they've some people you know, have to think another they think twice before they mention Porzingis, and that's because he has been stuck in New York, stuck with
1: and nobody would pass him the ball. Rose and and Anthony wouldn't pass him the ball.
0: Exactly, and then stuck with Jackson there. So here's a nice
1: response. little fact for you. Uh, Expect the pace to quicken in new york this year regardless of what happens the suns when uh was their coach in 2.6 seasons in phoenix uh had scored 3,726 points in the fast break the knicks have only scored 3801 in the last five seasons
0: oh boy oh boy so expect
1: them to have a fast pace this year
0: yeah and that could make them a little bit more entertaining to watch, of course. Probably not, though. Of course, you can always tune in for Porzingis. But yeah, that I think that's enough with. Uh,
1: yeah, they're the Eastern Conference Sweller Dollars, and do they have? Do they own their pick this year?
0: Yes, I, I believe they finally own the rest of their picks. I, I I believe, off the top of my head. So
1: it's tank mode.
0: Absolutely, that's enough. That's enough Knicks talk for now, though. <laughs> yeah.